Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strata Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Rove Tuesday. Have you the batter mixed? Are you ready for the pancakes? You don't have to have it ready. If you leave it stand for a little while, I know it does help, but uh, you can make it on the spot. It's so simple. Don't be buying the mixes or anything in the packets. Eggs, flour, water, maybe a dash of milk, a little bit of salt and away you go. We will be talking about the making of pancakes with a very famous chef. Zach Gallagher is with us later on and he really believes in the traditional pancake. No frills, no nothing else. Looking forward to having a chat with him. He's a great guy. He's a real influencer in the world of food. Keeping well in your community today, we're talking to Mary Deary a little bit later on about bridging the gap and technology knowledge between the young and the senior in our population. The seniors, that's uh, coming up uh, around about half past two. Uh, Alicia Law's with us. They launched their business, a fashion business, a clothing store online a year ago with me here uh, in studio on LMFM's Late Lunch. What's happened in the last year? Well, it's been Armageddon, hasn't it? But how have they been getting on? Alicia is going to tell us a little bit later. And she's a lovely giveaway for you as well, yeah? It's worth €400, Euros, so stay with us for that one. I'm starting 40 Days and Nights tomorrow. I'm going to tell you all about that on the show today for a very special reason. And if you want to join in the conversation today, don't forget the numbers. If you want to say anything about your pancakes or whatever you'd like to comment on, 086-1800-658 is the WhatsApp or text number. Or you can call in on 1850-715-958. But as has been our want for almost a year now, I'm in conversation for the next while with Professor Paul Miner. Hello again, Paul. Afternoon, Jerry. Great to talk to you. Are you having pancakes? I'm, I'm looking forward to them. I'm hoping so. <laughs> Good man, you're I've my, finger, my fingers crossed. <laughs> I, I, I hope somebody's listening to that recipe as we speak. Please look after Paul on our behalf. He's been I so know. good to us. He deserves a pancake at least, or a few of them after all this time. How do you like them? What do you like on the oh, pancake? I'll go, I'll go for the traditional, Jerry. yeah, the, the, the homemade. And uh, yeah, just plain pancakes. I like plain pancakes. I, uh, I have some at home who likes the Nutella and 
maybe ice cream with them but yeah. no, I'll go for the plain pancake I'm very happy with that nothing at all Paul not even lemon sugar nothing on them at all just no, the pancakes my, 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 my needs are simple Jerry. Uh, <laughs> good man Paul well enjoy this evening anyway thank you so much for joining us again on the show can I begin by asking you this you know uh, the WHO have had a team in Wuhan uh, recently trying to yeah. you know establish the source of COVID-19 where did the initial infection uh, begin where did it come from is it really important Paul, to establish that? It, it is from a scientific research point of view in terms of trying to figure out how this uh, arose and um, where that jump took place from an animal into human because, you know, this is a zoonotic disease, uh, zoonotic virus. So at some stage that virus moved from some animal into the human chain uh, and that's really important to understand why that happened, how the virus may be adapted in another animal host and how it adapted so that it was very efficient then when it transferred over to, to humans. Obviously as well, you know, this received a lot of attention with respect to is it possible that it arise naturally or was it was there a possibility that it was actually in a lab and then it escaped from a lab? And they wanted to look into that as well. If you look at a lot of the, you hear this genome sequencing where you can actually type the different variants of virus and then, by looking at that sequencing, you can actually relate them to each other and almost create sort of like a family tree and map them back to where what the original ancestor virus was. And the best calculations are that you can map that back to probably October time. So that virus and when it moved to humans was probably back in October. Now, where it came from, what animal it came from, there are related viruses in bats, but probably a little bit too dissimilar for it to take place directly, so there's probably an intermediate host. Is there a possibility, is still a possibility, you know, that maybe it was in the lab, maybe it was isolated from one of these animals and was in the lab and escaped from the lab, but certainly in terms of the visit of WHO to Wuhan, I think the conclusion that they're coming to is that's highly unlikely that it would have originated from the lab and its source is probably more natural. But important to find it, as you say. Now, interesting news I was reading in one of the newspapers over the weekend. I think it's Pfizer are already working on a cradle-to-the-grave vaccine that children would be giving, given our babies like many of the other vaccines. Are you familiar? Have you heard about this, that this is going on even at the moment? So, so if you look at a lot of the vaccines that we have at the moment, the vaccines that have the moment are all based around this uh, spike protein. Um, there is some concern that some of the variants will bypass the vaccine. Um, I'm not completely convinced that they will completely bypass uh, the vaccine. Certainly where some of those mutations in the variants are, it could affect the ability of our neutralising antibodies to stop the infection. I would only get concerned, Jerry, if you see a situation where you see somebody who's been vaccinated or been naturally infected getting reinfected and getting very sick mm. with uh, one of these variants, that, that line hasn't been crossed as of yet. So I'd get concerned if that happened. Whereas so far I can see that no, we, we, we haven't seen that, which I think is, is a good thing. So in terms of from uh, for children, at the moment, uh, trials are just actually early stage trials for younger children going from, I think it'll go from maybe 12 to 16, and then it'll probably go from 6 to 12. It's unlikely Jerry, the trials are going to go below the age of 6. Okay. So I think with time, you know, and probably not in the too distant future, we probably will see a vaccine that will be useful for and used in children as well as adults across the entire uh, age range. 
And you mentioned the spike there, which the vaccines are dealing with. I think with this one, they were talking about, you'd understand more than me, going beyond the spike or, or into the virus and developing yeah. something that will be all-encompassing, no matter what the mutations are. Yeah, so the spike, the spike protein is the, that part on the outside of the virus, because that's the part of the virus that allows it to interact with cells. But there are 28 other proteins in the virus, and most of these are inside the virus. Uh, so the price you pay, and yes, you, you could have... Uh, form a vaccine based on one of those other other proteins. The problem is those vaccines probably wouldn't produce what we would call sterilizing immunity. Mm. Sterilizing immunity is one where you produce antibodies that stops the virus from interacting with the cells and stops infection. But such a universal vaccine, even though it may not produce sterilizing immunity, it may it, it would probably be very effective in terms of stopping you from getting very sick. Which again is a really really good outcome. So you pay the price, but you're less likely. Uh, by using those types of vaccines, you're less likely to run into problems where the vaccine may bypass the, oh, sorry, the variants may be able to bypass the efficacy of the uh, vaccine. You mentioned uh, preventing illness or severe disease. Good news uh, emanating from Israel, where they're way ahead of the posse when it comes to vaccinations. 600,000 people who are vaccinated compared with 600,000 unvaccinated, and there were 94% fewer infections among the vaccinated group across all ages. Yeah, this is really, really great news, Jerry. So, and really what it does is it replicates the results from the phase three trials. So when you look at the phase three trials, it was done under really well-controlled conditions. So that term that we use to describe the effectiveness of the vaccine under those really controlled conditions is efficacy. When we begin to roll out the vaccine and use it in the real world, we, we, look, we, we then look at a term called effectiveness. The effectiveness isn't always the same as the efficacy, and it can be for a number of reasons, just in terms of variability of the cohorts that's uh, been used. Sometimes, for example, in terms of the supply of these vaccines, maybe the cold chain is broken down in some cases. Sometimes the vaccines may not may not work as well. So it wouldn't be unusual for the effectiveness maybe to be less than the efficacy, but really, really reassuring here that the effectiveness in real-world situations is the same as the efficacy. And certainly I'm keeping a close eye on Israel, like over 20% of the population that has been double-dosed, almost 40% of the population now that has been single-dosed. And if you look at those projections and how the numbers are coming down, the cohorts that are really, really benefiting are the the, um, the age groups above 65 who've been doubly uh, vaccinated. So they're coming down very, very significantly and more so than the younger age groups who wouldn't have been vaccinated to the same extent. So this is really very strong data showing in the real world that these vaccines um, are very, very effective. And I think, as I said before, like I'm firmly of the view that the vaccines are the way out of this. That may not end up getting rid of the virus, eradicating the virus, but certainly getting us back to being able to, to manage and, and live with the virus. And with time, we'll find out as well, won't we? You've mentioned this before, the ability of the vaccines to prevent, you know, the spread of it. Yeah, so that's the key thing then. So a lot of the studies I'm from Israel, that's very much focused on symptomatic disease. So the big question then is when the vaccine is given, does it stop somebody from being infected? And does it stop somebody then from transmitting uh, the virus? And then that would allow you to get to this concept of uh, herd immunity. So some data already has come out in that. So I've looked at some recent data in the last day or so uh, from AstraZeneca. And there's encouraging data there showing that what they did was they actually swabbed in the phase three trials, they swabbed a lot of the individuals on a repeat basis and they used the PCR test to pick up the presence of the virus. And what they showed was that even with a single dose of the AstraZeneca 
vaccine up to 90 days, there was a drop in PCR positivity by about 67%. So again, that would suggest that these vaccines are certainly going to be helpful in terms of limiting uh, transmission. How effective it is, again, we need to see more data on that, but how effective it will be in terms of limiting transmission, we need to probably see more data, but I think initially the results are encouraging. Of course, the concern is that, you know, will the vaccines be equally effective uh, against the variants? And, you know, there's a lot of concern around that. Certainly the vaccines seem to work really well against, as, as well as the work against the normal variants that has been in this country up until now. Uh, and it seemed to work as well against the UK variant, which is the predominant one now here in this country as well. A little bit of concern around the, Af- the South African uh, variant. Again, that variant seems to be a little bit more resistant to the vaccine, but it, importantly, the vaccine can still protect against severe uh, disease, which again is re- a really good outcome. Yesterday, it was the first day in a while, a fatality wasn't reported in the numbers. Around about 800 yesterday, people are wondering, is it going to fall? There is talk that it will fall significantly by the end of this month. Hospitalizations are down, the R numbers down, cases, uh, you know, in ICU have dropped a little again as well. So, you know, we've got to take positives out of that. But I get the impression, Paul, I don't know about yourself, that the vaccination rollout, even though it's been slow enough so far, I really get the feeling now it's starting to pick up and obviously we're going to get more doses in over the uh, coming weeks. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, supply has been the issue. Um, probably the EU maybe could have been more effective in terms of, you know, dealing and you know coming to contracts and agreements on getting, you know, the amount of vaccine and what type of vaccine. So there has been delays there in terms of uh, supply. I think so far the, the, the real test will come when our numbers go up. I think we're getting about 40,000, 50,000 per week. But in the coming weeks, that's going to go up to about a quarter of a million a week. And then that'll be really a test in terms of its distribution, administration, and, and getting that distributed uh, to people. So, and, and that is, we really need to get to a situation where, which I think we have been doing, getting them administered as quickly as, as they arrive in. But as that scales up, obviously that becomes more of a challenge. I'm more hopeful, Jerry. Like the, you know, as you said, zero deaths yesterday. Now, that's obviously explained by the fact that deaths, there's a lag between infections and deaths. Mm. The further we get away from that peak of infections before Christmas, obviously death rate is going to go, is going to go down. Numbers are coming down, probably not as fast as we would like. There may be a number of reasons for that. As I, as I mentioned there a couple of minutes ago, the predominant variant now is the UK one. That does transmit better than the previous uh, variants. So that may be a little bit more resilient and a bit, 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 bit more resistant. But again, the important thing to say here is that restrictions and our personal behaviour, all of those things about social distancing that we've spoken so much about, they still work against the variants. That's that's the really important thing uh, to say. And then the other thing that I think that works in our favour is with the vac- as well as the vaccine rollout. Something I'm very interested in, I'd love to see a figure on it, and I don't think we have a figure on it at the moment, is what percentage of the population has actually been infected with the natural virus. So that, and that's a really important figure to know. So we have over 200,000 cases confirmed, tested, but it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that if we have three, five times more that haven't been tested but have been infected. So mm. we could be looking at maybe 15, 20% of the population that have been infected. That will help along with the vaccine in terms of limiting transmission. And then again, I've mentioned it before, I think as we get into the late spring, early summer months, we're probably going to see seasonality helping us. And you'll see, 
I think you'll see a natural waning of the virus. Not that it'll disappear or whatever, but I think that will help us. And it depends really in terms of how strongly transmissible the variant is. And hopefully that won't break through this seasonality uh, barrier. So I, I think there's cause to be hopeful. I know like you, you listen to a lot of the news and there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, variants, a lot of talk about, you know, prolonged level five way, way into the future. But I'd be more hopeful. And I think we need hope, Jerry. I think we need some positivity and begin to look at balance and begin to try to get life back to some degree of normality. Just before we finish on that theme, uh, the government has been mightily cautious and understandable from what happened around the Christmas time and New Year. We've seen the upshot of it and we're in dire straits really and we're, thank God, working our way from that. But they are being mightily, as I say, cautious about reopening of society. Schools, yes, and construction is their priority and they are priorities, of course. But when you think of, there'll be an announcement now before the 5th of March, there's already the seeds are being sown that this will go to at least Easter time, which is the beginning of April. And even beyond that, hospitality, etc., talking about potentially June, mid-year at this stage. Are you someone who, you know, you say people need hope and and need a path or a plan out of this. Should they be trying to map that even in the difficult situation they find them because they don't know where this virus is going? Yeah, I think they should map it. I look at maybe a little bit differently than, I think if you look at COVID, it tends to be looked at as a medical problem. Of course, it is a medical problem. It's a big medical uh, challenge, but... I think COVID-19 now is sort of a major societal challenge. It, it, it has relevance not only in terms of healthcare, but also beyond that in terms of, you know, social aspects, economic aspects, right through to education. And I think one of the things that has to be prioritised is obviously opening the schools, which I think the government, in fairness, are doing. But I think in terms of what has been lost there for younger people, um, I think that has been uh, enormous. So I think we need do need, as I said, we need hope we also need some strategy in terms of how to get out of this. Um, I think the government has made the decision, I think probably the right one in terms of that the only possibility is to try to live and coexist with this virus as we do with many other viruses. Okay, a lot of the opposition parties now are suggesting, you know, a zero COVID approach. That's not one I myself, I, I, don't, I don't think it's possible, I don't think it's feasible. I think the cost of even if it could be and to be able to retain that, I think it would be so, so high but, but again, I think we do need some detail, some hope to map out, you know, over the next coming weeks and coming months. Where, because at the moment, all we seem to see is that the only tool that we have available to us is lockdown. And lockdown is not the only tool. Vaccines are obviously the key weapon that we have in terms of the fight against the virus. But we also need, in my view, need to use other technologies like rapid testing, for example, to try to get some businesses uh, back. Um, so I think there's a number of things that we have to look at there beyond just sort of the blanket lockdown. I can completely understand that you mentioned it as well there, Jerry, at the beginning, the question that the government are very cautious because I think everybody got such a fright in terms of the numbers before Christmas and that's the last thing that they, they want to, they don't want to go down that road again. So obviously there's going to be caution, but using the precautionary principle, you have to look at what the costs are in terms of what we're doing. So it's it's not just a simple, I don't think there's a simple solution to this. I think the one thing that has characterised the COVID-19 is that whatever decisions have been made, one way or the other, there's, there's only trade-offs and it's, the solution is probably somewhere in the middle and even then there are trade-offs. So I don't think there's any, and anybody I think who says a simple solution, I think it's just much more complex and you're just 
trying to get that balanced, proportionate response. You're trying to minimize the effect of the virus, but also try to minimize the effect of how you deal with the virus and the decisions you make around that. Indeed, Paul, and we watch this space to see uh, what this roadmap lays out, but I do know it is uh, wearing thin with a lot of people, and that is certainly understandable. It's been a long stint and will be to uh, 5th of March, Easter and beyond. Paul, always appreciate your wonderful contribution every Tuesday. Thank you so much indeed. Very welcome, Jerry. Enjoy the pancakes. Take care, Paul. <laughs> See you now, Paul uh, Moyna there, Professor Paul Moyna, Head of the Department of Biology, Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. Look, I understand. I, I listen to people. I talk to people on the phone all the time. Lots of people, friends and uh, work colleagues and people that I interact with here on the show as well. And it, everybody's finding the going tough and it's a long, long stretch. But they gotta, the government got to, as Paul says there, have a plan. And and sometimes plans change. I understand that. And they may have to be tweaked, but there has to be more hope given that we are really moving forward and that there will be a return to a sense of normality as the weeks and months progress through the year. I know somebody being vaccinated today and they're looking forward to it. And I was talking to somebody yesterday who's uh, got the vaccine uh, last week and uh, delighted to have it as well. And I think the majority of people are of that opinion. And we see the results from Israel and you see the way Britain has really marched ahead. Uh, they were in an awful state with deaths and uh, with outbreaks of the virus. There's no doubt one of the worst in the world, but they certainly have grasped the vaccination programme and are pushing forward with it. If you have anything to say, if you have an opinion, if you have a pancake edition for me, what do you like with your pancakes? You're telling me you might as well Tuesday. I know it's an old chestnut and we've done it before, but I'd love to hear if any people have any unusual uh, additions to their pancakes. You heard Paul Moynet likes them very plain, very straightforward. What about yourself? Anything to say on the pancake front to lighten it up either? 086-1800-658. Come on, WhatsApp or text me. Stay with us on late lunch. I mentioned the homeless man who lived around Drogheda for about 15 years. He was found dead a couple of weeks ago at this stage and he had nobody, but friends got together and money was raised to lay him to rest. And uh, the target was 5000 on a GoFundMe page. They've got to 4770, 4770. They just need that last little push to get to the 5000 and then they're home and hosed and they'll be able to cover off all the expenses. So Soren Pup, if you go to GoFundMe uh, and put in that name, S-O-R-I-N-P-U-P was his name, and you'll see the fund there, 4770. They just need the final little push to get the 5,000 and well done to all concerned there. Joe Murphy, he's in the XL shop there in Melindrahada, spearheading that and some other friends as well. Well done to all of you. Well done, Anne. Anne says, Jerry, I did your recommended savoury pancakes for lunch today and they were simply delicious. Oh, I'm delighted. I was able to give a recipe there to somebody that they enjoyed. I told you the real thin pancakes with some ham and grated cheese. Cook on one side, flip over, put your ham and cheese on, let it uh, cook the second side and then just roll it into a type of crepe. And it is gorgeous. It is, Anne. Just reminding you again that this is a very difficult time for local businesses in our area here in Meath and Louth and right across the northeast. And it's uh, at this time we should remember how good local businesses have been to us as a community, to our sports clubs, to charities. You know what I'm talking about. And as well... They are employers, big employers of our family and friends and neighbours. They make the jobs and they have the jobs for us. So next time you go shopping or if you're shopping online, I say it again, make sure you do uh, 
consider local and shop local. It is very, very important. I do it all the time and I encourage you to do so as well. And talking about supporting local, I well remember it's about a year ago. Well, I think today is the anniversary that a young woman called Alicia Law joined me on Late Lunch and she was telling me about her brand new business along with her friend Rochella and they set up uh, Alicia and Rochella and they were so looking forward to providing occasion where for so many people. But what occasions had we after February of last year? Very, very few. Well, she's on the line to tell me her story. Alicia, lovely to talk to you again. Hi, how are you? Thank you very much for having me. Not at all. Well, little did you think when you were here a year ago, the storm that lay ahead, how quickly were you impacted? Oh, um, look, we, we launched exactly this day last year. Um, it was um, incredible, obviously. Uh, but within probably, I would say, about seven to eight weeks, um, obviously, the country starts to kind of close down. So, um, but still, like, um, you know, Occasion Wear is, is our, um, you know, target market and it always will be and it will always be what's important to us. Um, and um, even though it has reduced, um, the demand uh, there's still plenty um, of people buying. So, um, but it, but it's been very tough because we've obviously had to adapt. So, what way did you adapt? With one area and the main area of your business drying up, still, you said there's still been business there, but not to the extent that you anticipated. What did you do? Where did you go with the business? Um, so basically, obviously, um, as I said, we, we started with occasion wear, um, but then we had to um, adapt. So we actually expanded into um, skirts and jumpers, um, which was actually a great, um, a great idea. Um, so obviously, um, now we have this is I think we have our fifth um, jumper collection online and um, our fourth or fifth skirt collection, um, which has been really successful and the demand has been huge. So. Um, you know, has been great. Um, but as I said again, you know, occasion wear is still very much. It is selling. You know, it's not. It's not not selling. But um, look, um, in the next few months, when things get back to normal, I, I really hope that um, uh, things pick up. I've been looking at what you have to offer on your website. It's gorgeous, I have to say. You have a wonderful collection in the skirt and jumper area. Is this something now that you'll you'll keep in the business, or, or will you will you allow it drift when when you move on, or do you see something else here that can you know add to what you offer? Um, I, I think it, it's something that we can add. I think it's something that we will keep, um, you know, with our shop. Um, you know, within the industry, it, it's a very um, what would I say? Like it's a very competitive industry. Um, so you know, from the outset, I've really um, wanted to make sure that um, that we stand out in the sense that we only stock things that um, are different and are not seen everywhere, and um, that are timeless pieces that you can pull out in in years to come. So yeah. And for the new aspect uh, of the yeah. business, the skirt and jumpers, where did you go? Because you're very particular, I know, about where you source from. Where, who are you dealing with? Who are you buying from? Um, we have suppliers um, all over. We have suppliers in England. We have suppliers um, in France and Spain. Um, so, yeah, no, um, it, it's hard to source them. Um, as you know, I'm very particular what um, I sell and quality is very, very important. Um, um, and, you know, I think we, we sell jumpers and skirts at a very reasonable price um, for the quality that they are, which is which is great. So, yeah. Who would you say is your 
customer. Do, do you do you do analysis on that? Where do your orders come from? Is it mainly within Ireland? Or are you exporting as well? And and what age are, are you aimed at? Um, look, it, it ranges from probably what eighteen to about sixty, sixty-five. Um, you know, um, we have sold many to England, um, you know, which is just incredible. In our first year, you know, um, the sales have literally been out the door, um, you know, um, with the skirts and the jumpers. and um, But, you know, we're aiming for people who are obviously have weddings or, you know, that casual mm. kind of, um, you know, casual look. Um, you know, especially at the moment, it's really important that you dress up and, um, I know that loungewear is huge, but, you know, to make yourself feel better, it's really important to um, dress up and, um, you know, just put something on nice, you know, and it actually genuinely actually did it at the weekend and it, it just makes you feel better. So it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's too easy just to stay in the jammies all day. Please don't do that, folks. We're not encouraging that. And it is lovely to dress up. It gives you a real yeah. warm feeling and, and it lifts the spirits for sure. For, for When you talk about your, your collection of lovely jumpers, is there a colour this year that's in or is it the usual, you know, is there a seasonal colour for the spring, summer or what are you seeing? Um, yeah, it's, it's colour, it's kind of, you know, vibrant um, colours that, that stand out, um, even though, you know, within our shop, um, we're kind of, um, we're not over the top, we're tacky, you know, we, we like something that's just simple and again um, as I said it's timeless but you know colours are obviously a big thing for the summer and um, please God you know um, when we can get out and go for you know meet your friends at the barbecue you know we have lots of um, beautiful kind of spring summer skirts and um, some dresses um, online so Mm. yeah Yeah your colours are vibrant as well and the hem length where is it at this season is it up above the knee at the knee below the knee on the ankles where is it? Um, well, within our shop, it will always be kind of um, just above the knee or below the knee. Um, or, you know, uh, we, we, we just, as I said, we're particular at what we sell. And, um, I, you know, I think it's something that, you know, our shop portrays, you know, it's chic and classy and, um, and again, simple that, you know, stands out. So, but yeah, no, it would, for us and what we sell, um, it's very much just above the knee and um, mm. below it as well. So, yeah. As regards bringing customers to you and attracting new customers, I know you have established a very substantial following in this first year and well done to both of you for that. How do you get new customers? Is your main selling platform or bringing new people to you online, to your website, the likes of social media platforms? Um, Look, from the outset, I actually kind of really only just... um, realize this actually nearly only just beginning out you know marketing marketing is literally essential without marketing your business is just not successful and it just won't work um and being able to adapt um but you know uh for for me it's literally been basically um you know uh, approaching and approaching and approaching people and um you know facebook we have uh, over 10,000 nearly 11,000 followers and on instagram we're on 6,000 um, within a year, which is which is pretty incredible. Um, but we've really, and I've really had to work hard for it, you know, with the, with the marketing side of things, you know. Um, there's bloggers, the influencers. Um, I do a bit of modeling myself. Um, but, yeah, you, you really have, you know, as a, you know, from the outset, I've always said to people that, you know, without marketing, um, your business is not going to succeed. And I know that's pretty harsh, but that is the reality. So, 
Oh yes, you're well known in the world of Instagram with fashion famed for sure, Alicia. Yeah, you're out yeah. there and uh, uh, you can see you there wearing the, yeah. the lovely clothing as well. Now today you want to celebrate a year in business. Look, may I say to yourself and Rochelle, and just to tell listeners, yeah. it's aliciaandrichella.com. That's A-L-I-C-I-R ampersand Rochella R-I-C-H-E-L-L-A.com aliciaandrichella.com. Um, yeah. You're celebrating a year and you've uh, a little giveaway and, and not a little one, a substantial one. Tell her yeah, um, look, it's important that we appreciate our customers um, and that um, they are always at the forefront of our heart because without us, our business is um, not a business. Um, so what we've done is we've teamed up with Macaulay's Pharmacy, who have been very kind to us, um, and they've given us a hamper that's worth over €300. Euro, um, and um, we are giving a €100 euro voucher for our online store. Um, so to enter it, um, you have to um, follow our Instagram page, and then you have to screenshot um, the, the, the the to prove that you have followed our page. To I think it, you have a number or a text. Yes, I think. yes, yes, yes. You can do that into yes. us as well. Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight. So that's the deal, folks. It's worth over four hundred euro. God, I think I'll enter myself. No, I can't. I can't enter. I know that myself. I'd love to, but I will follow you. I promise you. So you must follow Alicia and Rochella on Instagram. This is the deal, folks. Just follow them and take a screenshot of it and send it in to us here. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp us. WhatsApp us in here to Late Lunch. But the main thing to do to get into the follow Alicia and Rochella on Instagram. Listen, it's great to catch up with you. Wish you well for the next year. Thank you for joining me in the show. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Alicia Law from the Royal County, from County Mead, and her good friend uh, Rochella have uh, teamed up a year ago to uh, form this business. And uh, well done to them. They've done well in difficult times. So there you are, Alicia and Rochella. That's ampersand Alicia ampersand Rochella on Instagram. Go on, follow them there, and you're in for a chance. You're in to win that uh, prize over four hundred euro. And then uh, take a screenshot of it. Send it on to us here 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp and the best of luck to you with that one back in a moment because I have a plan for the next 40 days and nights Late Lunch LMFM Radio I'm going back now to January 2018 and I well remember the time because Nadia Vavro and her son Slav joined me here on Late Lunch it's over three years ago folks at this stage Slav was facing into a difficult cancer journey and his mum, Nadia, is back on the line with me today. Good to talk to you again, Nadia. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Maybe you'd just to start off, tell us how Slav is and what's been happening with him recently. Slav is now fighting for three years. He was initially diagnosed in January 2018. Very difficult journey and we are still fighting. Uh, most recently, Slav had uh, two surgeries uh, which are completed in Austria, and uh, he also had one surgery just last week in uh, Temple Street Hospital in Dublin. And remind us again, his initial diagnosis, where was the cancer? Original tumour was uh, detected in his uh, foot. It was well hidden under the arch of his foot. This type of cancer is called alveolar rhabdomyosarcoma. It's a very difficult uh, type of cancer. So he's been through the mill, he's been abroad, he's had several procedures and he's battling away hard. It's been a long journey, hasn't it, Nadia, for him and yourselves? Yeah, it's a very long journey because uh, we don't know what will be tomorrow. Uh, 
it's very difficult because we are doing every time we are doing our best. So he's home at the moment and being cared for. Beyond this, what happens? Do you know where you go from here? Is it just a question of seeing how this last surgery went? Is there more treatment he can receive? At this moment, we are awaiting results uh, from his last surgery, uh, which was done in Temple Street last week. Uh, we are going to meet with the surgeon this Wednesday and uh, hopefully histology uh, reports uh, will be back. Uh, we don't know yet if we got uh, clear margins. That means if we have a clear border of the lymph node which were, which were removed. Uh, Slav uh, started a new protocol just on Christmas Day uh, 2020. Uh, so it was a very short time being on this protocol and we don't know if this protocol is working or not. So for the future, uh, we hope to continue with uh, chemotherapy and with the protocol he has. He's on a combination of three oral pills and actually chemotherapy is uh, oral at this moment as well. In the past, he had 27 weeks of IV chemotherapy. It was very harsh treatment. His immune system never never recovered from this chemotherapy. So we're trying uh, to treat it more uh, like a chronic disease. And hopefully, meantime, we can uh, get uh, more answers what's happening. We are still trying to find alternative therapies abroad because there are always more options abroad. We are just trying to get some uh, targeted treatments uh, which would really target genes which love has affected. How is he himself? It's not easy for him, of course. And I can see that this most recent surgery was probably most difficult for him. He's still in pain. He still cannot move his arm properly. But of course, his, uh, his, his mood is not very good. He's not happy about the whole situation and it's uh, not easy for him. He has many questions which I cannot answer. He's always asking why this happened to him, if he did anything wrong to anybody, who, of course, we know he didn't. And it's just very unfair what's happening uh, to him. He's a very nice young uh, man and uh, he's a very humble person. So it's, it's really very unfair. Well, he might ask that question. Why? Why me? What age is he now, Nadia? Slav is turning 16 next month. 13th of March. We are originally from Slovakia. We moved to Ireland in 2006 because my husband, who is an IT specialist, he got a job offered here in Ireland. And he's working a way to provide, and I know you have another son and a daughter as well, and it's cost an awful lot of money for this treatment abroad and everything that's going on. Look, I've been thinking of you and Slav in recent times, and I just want to say something that I'd like to highlight again Slav's situation. He's started this journey at 13, he's 16 now and he's been through the mill folks, he really has and his mother has been with him and family all of the way. So tomorrow is the beginning of Lent and I am a Christian and I just want to do something for somebody this Lenten season, I really do I want to help Slav and you in any way I can so what I've decided to do is to undertake uh, 40 days and nights. So what I'm going to do for 40 days, I'm going to walk 40 minutes every day for 40 days and I'm going to give up any alcohol that I might have drunk during that time and I'm going to give to the fund, to the GoFundMe, what I've saved during that time and a little more hopefully. And I'm asking listeners on Late Lunch today 
to join with me on 40 days and 40 nights and support Slav. I want people again to get behind Slav and his family. Oh, thank you very much, Jerry. Uh, this is very kind of you. And uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm surprised here and uh, I'm very grateful. Um, I'm great, very grateful for this. Thank you very much. You know, I saw recently a post you put up and it just got me and I thought I have to do something to help this young man and his family and I want to do it during this season of of denial for Christians and I want to just ask listeners today to think about Slav. I'm not setting up a GoFundMe page, I'm not doing anything like that and I know everybody's under pressure and there's so many worthy causes as well but I think of this young man and I want late lunch listeners to think of him and remember him over the next 40 days and if you can give it all or help in any way, please, please do. Would you just remind listeners, Nadia, how can they access the GoFundMe support page? Uh, yes, of course, Jerry. So first of all, I would like to say thank you to you and uh, to everybody who is supporting us from the beginning of the journey and who will support us in the future and uh, who is supporting us now. It's not easy, and I'm sure I would not be able to really handle this situation without all support we are get- getting from 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 our community and from all people in Ireland. So we still have a GoFundMe page, uh, which was originally set up for um, oxygen treatment for Slav. And Slav is uh, uh, still getting oxygen treatment at home. We got uh, oxygen chamber with kind support of people. This GoFundMe page is still open because there are still funds needed for maintenance of this chamber. And you can uh, find it if you just search for GoFundMe oxygen for Slav or oxygen treatment for Slav and it will show. So there you have it, folks. I will be reminding you over the next 40 days of this Lenten season to help, to help in any way you can. Oxygen treatment for Slav, GoFundMe. So I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to think about them. I'm going to put in the exercise. I am not going to take an alcoholic drink for Lent and I will be contributing whatever I can myself personally at the end of this time to the fund. And I ask if anybody out there listening today can help, please do. He's 16 years of age. He's been three years on this journey and he's still battling away with the help of his mam and his family as well. Nadia, thank you for joining me on the show today and I hope just this little bit of support might give you a little... Light at the end of the tunnel at this difficult time. Thank you very much, uh, Jerry, for having us. Thank you for your kind, kind support. Really appreciate it here. Thank you. 40 days and nights starting tomorrow. That's my little campaign. I'm going to walk 40 minutes for 40 days thinking of that young man. I met him here three years ago. He's only 16 now. He was 13 at the time. He's been on some journey and his mum and family as well. And there's been... Great money raised, but it's been spent because he's had to go abroad for two major treatments. And he's back home now and he had a a treatment recently, as you heard there, in Temple Street in Dublin. And the fight goes on and he's keeping his spirits as high as he can. But imagine three years on, he's still in the midst of this. And a little focus has perhaps come off it in recent times and understandably... But I want to bring it to the fore again. If you can help at all, I appeal to you. I will remind you from time to time during these 40 days that I'm doing this, but especially for Slav. So Oxygen Treatment for Slav is the website, and uh, or Oxygen for Slav, should I say, GoFundMe. Oxygen Treatment for Slav or Oxygen for Slav GoFundMe. It's there, I was looking at it last evening and again today, and the money that's been raised has 
virtually all been used up in those trips abroad and the treatment and that as well. But we want to support this family who came to live here from Slovakia to Ireland in 2006. They've been here a long, long time. But I thank you for your support in advance and we'll do the best we can for Slav, I promise. Now, strawberry jam, Jerry, on my pancakes. That's all, says Liz this afternoon. Thank you so much indeed. And there's Suzanne on to me to say, I just love some sliced thin strawberries with a little layer of fresh cream on the thinnest of thin pancakes, says Suzanne. Mmm, very, very nice indeed. I'm actually going to make the Martry Mill pancakes myself this evening when I go home. I am. Do you remember I was telling you the recipe last week for Martry? Mill when I was talking to the guys over there. I'm going to give that a try this evening along with the plain ones. But we are talking pancakes on the show after three with a man who knows his flipping. Yes, Zach Gallagher is with us a little later on in the show. Now, we conclude um, a mini-series we've been running for a number of weeks here on Late Lunch with the support of Meath and Louth County Councils. It's called Keeping Well in Your Community. And today, I'm delighted to tell you, I'm joined by the age-friendly coordinator and COVID contact person with Louth County Council. I'm delighted to say hello again to Mary Deary. Hiya, Mary. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Lovely to be back talking to you. <laughs> yeah, great to have you with us. And can I tell you something? They love your voice out there. I, I don't know, a number of people have said to me about you when you've been on before. So there you are. There's, a, there's, a, there's something in this in the future, Mary. You never, never know, as they say. <laughs> anyway, Mary, thank you for joining me on the show. And you bring down the curtain on this uh, series uh, today with us. Just in, in, in your role, you know, as age-friendly coordinator, my God, that's come into focus, hasn't it, Mary, the last year? Absolutely has. Um, I think um, we obviously, as the first age friendly county in the country, we, um, I suppose, put the scope on all things and issues that affect older people. But we never, ever imagined what a pandemic like COVID could have could have put before us. And uh, everybody from the older person who started cocooning in March, on the 12th of March last year in their own homes, to people in nursing homes, to carers looking after older loved ones, to formal carers who were, you know, so magnificent through the whole thing in, in, in protecting and looking after older people in their own homes. It just provided, it, it just provided so many uh, insights in, uh, to, for us as to what we need to do in terms of planning for ageing in the future. And that's why I'm delighted to be able to talk to you today, particularly about that role that technology plays in, in helping older people to stay at home. Mm. Now, we're going to get on to t- technology in a moment, but community call has been important in this last year, hasn't it? Absolutely has. And um, Louds County Council has the Louds Community Call Helpline, which is 1-800-805-817. The helpline was set up in every county council in the country. Um, it was as a result of the Minister for Housing and Local Government um, assigning that task to each local authority. It, in, at the very outset, it was to provide the practical support uh, to older people who could not leave their homes basically to do shopping, to do banking, to get prescriptions, um, anything basically, to buy a stamp for that matter. So we pulled together several agencies uh, across the county and um, and we worked together under what was called the Community Call Forum. We still work together under that. It was chaired by the Chief Executive Joan Martin in Loud and um, had fantastic response from the public, the private and the NGO sector, the volunteer sector. And um, in Louth in particular, we had a, a terrific working arrangement between Louth County Council, Louth 
PPN, Loud Volunteer Centre and Loud Leader Partnership. And we, I suppose, activated a community response that has, I was just listening to your ads beforehand, that has, um, I suppose, spurred on people in local communities to advertise their own number to do practical supports for older people. And my God, isn't that wonderful? And I just, I just think that sometimes Loud loses out a little bit in how much volunteering uh, happens in the county. You know, the, the, the more remote counties and the, and the border counties of Monaghan and Cavan and Donegal, you know, we hear so many good things in terms of volunteering. But mm. the people of Loud can stand shoulder to shoulder with many counties and above the shoulders of many counties. And I'm very proud to be working with the voluntary sector in particular in Loud over this COVID campaign. And just to repeat that number, if you're listening to us today in the wee county and county Loud, it's 1-800-805-817. And in County Meath, it's 1-800-808-809. You can pick up and ring those numbers and you will get help there if you're worried or concerned uh, about anything. So that's been been uh, rattling along. And um, what about this? Um, is, is there a new leaflet you've produced? Is that on the way or has it been done? Indeed, uh, Jerry, we, we did a leaflet um, and we had on post delivered to every household in the county. Right. Um, it has that number. It has a number of other numbers that are very relevant. Uh, everything from the Gardaí to the HSE number uh, to Alone, who has been a huge response as well at both local and national level in Loud. And um, so it has, the, well, I suppose what I'm saying is, you know, put that leaflet somewhere safe, yes. beside the phone, on your fridge, wherever it is, and have that number. Because even though we provide practical support, we also provide a signposting service, Jerry, to other supports that may be needed. So there are, you know, there are, we'll say, the not so nice side of COVID as well in terms of we know there's an increase in domestic violence, we know there's an increase in alcoholism, we know there's an increase in depression and, and anxiety and, and all of these things that um, that are probably magnified during the, the lockdown restrictions in particular. And we can signpost people to the services that are still working either remotely or, you know, face to face, mostly remotely at the moment in the current level of restrictions. So please use that number for anything that you need, even outside the practical support. There you go. And you have those leaflets, folks, already. And people are good at keeping them as well. Keep it in a safe place. There's lots more information on those as well. If you need to access them, pick up the phone and call. Now, the digital divide, we call it, between the younger folk. God, I see my little granddaughter there, five going on six, and is she a whiz on this stuff? They know everything from a younger age all the time. And then at the other end of things, you have our senior citizens, who many have adapted very quickly and loved the new technology but there still is a gap there and super connectors is something you want to talk about that's it and i suppose the age friendly county program from the very outset um uh, we knew that there was going to be an increase in technology to support people uh, across the way we we knew that the e-government agenda was in place uh, where government departments are starting to uh, do their services online um in the marketplace, whether it be a supermarket, whether it be um, you know a pharmacist, whatever it is, an awful lot of the services have now gone online. But by God, was that not exponentially increased um, since COVID came in? Because it has, like, I mean, whoever heard tell of Zoom this time last year? <laughs> Who did? Is right, Mary. Yes. You know, so in every way, um, technology has crept into our lives. 
uh, from simple things like paying for a parking ticket to self-service at, um, in supermarkets and all of that. That has been happening, but it has increased. And what we've seen, again, through the community call helpline, Jerry, is we have seen an increase in isolation, uh, by particularly by older people. And before Christmas, we looked to see how we could address some of this. And what, what creates the bigger digital divide now than it did 12 months ago is that we can no longer have classes where yes. people can go in to ETB, Loudmead ETB did classes, uh, Loudly the Partnership did classes, uh, the libraries did classes, we had age action classes uh, run in Loud as well. We couldn't do those classes anymore. And not only that, our support bubbles were shrunk down so that um, we had only a, a number of people to support us in our day-to-day lives. So what we did was we challenged people across the age group. We challenged older people to drop their fear of using technology and start using it. And when you use it, you can stay connected to your beloved grandchildren. We then uh, challenged grandchildren to help older people to use the technology. And then we challenged the middle-aged group um, sons and daughters of older people, to help an older person get a device, whether it's purchase a device, gift them a device, or re-gift them an older device that you had to let them use it, uh, to stay connected with family and friends. So that, um, that was highlighted before Christmas. And then as a result of that, we had such a positive feedback for it that um, it really has grown legs since. And I suppose the bottom line that we need to do now is for going forward, because this is going to go beyond COVID. COVID has only magnified the whole issue of technology. But no, technology doesn't turn around and go back. And it's certainly not going to turn around and go back when COVID is over. So people that are using Zoom now will use it again after COVID. And, and increased, um, we'll say, uh, consultations with your GP or with your consultants or any of those sort of medical consultations, they could be be easily done by Zoom. And even in the whole area of climate change and not getting in your car and having to drive to Dublin or Meath or or Newry or wherever to get a, a service, you can do, now do quite a lot of it on um, on through the technology. So we're um, we're looking at how can we put a device in an older person's hands, and when we get that device in their hands, how can we help them to use it? And we have we've come up with a few solutions on that. Uh, you know, Age Action um, they launched uh, just at the beginning of COVID last year in the spring. Age Action launched their Getting Started Kit. It was launched by Mary Kennedy and. It is so simple. It's what I would call the ladyboard version of a, an IT manual, which will help an older person set up an email address, use download Zoom, download WhatsApp, all the, the, the usual apps that, that are used. And then we have uh, Loud Mead uh, Education Training Board, LMETB, and they started this week um, the, the, a program called Stay Connected. And basically they have tutors set aside that when you ring that tutor, the tutor will dedicate an hour to you to help you on the phone to access your device and use your device, download an app, whatever it is. We also have come in contact with a, a great organisation called Generation Tech. Um, it's, it's run on a national basis, but the guy that, that's running it is a local guy to carry them across, actually, a guy called John Harrington. And uh, it's a group of volunteer techni- technical people in the techie world who can um, 
who can help you, assist you in using a device or sorting out any technical issues you may have. So they, their number is 0196332888 and we intend to run a pilot project with Generation Tech over the next few months. And then, of course, we have the wonderful um, bespoke um, tablet called Acorn, uh, which was developed by Philip Hogan, who uh, works out of his, his company works out of the Enterprise Centre in DKIT, and it's a, a bespoke device, and it comes with um, support, remote monitoring, and support to use the Acorn device. And we mm. piloted that through the H. Friendly County Programme about two years ago and we had 28 people in the pilot programme and I believe all of them are still using their Acorn programme to date. So that test is a testament to how good that that that, um, that product is. So all in all, there are ways of helping people to get over the fear of using devices and staying connected uh, to family, to friends, and be in a position to widen their horizons when we come out of COVID, hopefully by the end of this year. You are so right. So much of this will apply beyond. So uh, the sooner you better, the sooner uh, the better you get the ne- the knowledge and the know-how and use all these areas that you've just mentioned there. And there are ways of getting round, not being able to be face and face. I have to say it's absolutely brilliant. Now, what's this uh, picture competition that's been run? Okay, so... Coming up to Christmas, uh, a wonderful suggestion by our uh, PPN coordinator, Grania Carroll, and the PPN secretariat was to capture um, what, like we say, a younger person helping an older person to um, to use a device and to send it in in a picture to us, and we would run a picture competition. So that picture competition is closing now on the 19th of February, this Friday, and anybody that hasn't got the, the picture in, please send it in because uh, there are a lot in there already, a lot of good ones, but there could be still some good ones out there. We have our Super Connectors Ambassador, Mary Dunn from RD, who uh, really put the, I suppose, put the challenge down to everybody because she, um, she, has, she has no fear of technology and she also uses the support of her grandchildren to help her to explore wider ways of using technology. But she has a wonderful, um, she has a wonderful hint or a wonderful um, suggestion to older people you don't need to be able to do everything you don't need to be a technician to use technology just use it for what you need to use it for and enjoy using it for that and you will use it and I remember Gavin Duffy who is our age-friendly business champion uh, way back when we launched Citizens Information also has a booklet on uh, safety tips for older people using technology. And when Gavin launched that, he said, uh, he spoke about his his lovely mother, uh, God rest her, and he said, you know, give her something, to get his mother on technology, give her something that she likes. And it was like music and YouTube and going on and getting the old tunes that she liked. So there's so many reasons that, that to use technology that you can enjoy, that you don't have to be afraid of. And the only thing you have to do to find out about anything that I've spoken about today is call 1-800-805-817. And if you have pictures, and of course, uh, young people haven't been seen uh, their grands and granddads and aunts and uncles, the older folk of that at the moment. But if you have pictures going back, is that okay, Mary? You know what I mean? Prior. 
Absolutely. And and another thing, Jerry, too, that the young people, I know young people are suffering hugely as well and the uncertainty of leaving cert results and or leaving cert exams and all of that and, and I appreciate all of that. But we have a wonderful bunch of ten young people through our Corlin and Oak who has uh, volunteered to work with Isaac, which is uh, it's a it's an app that home care, my home care, uh, a local uh, home care company is developing and um those 10 young people are going to work with 10 older people identified by Isaac to help them um, use that Isaac app. Okay. So we have so many projects under the Super Connectors. We, we could be here until 6 o'clock. Oh, o'clock. sure, so, Lord. It's not that you'll be connected. You'll be getting off them after a while. You'll be too connected. You'll be saying, geez, I don't want to be doing that today. No, I'm only joking. You'll be getting involved <laughs> in all this and there's no excuse now not to know, not to learn. It's easy. And you said one thing there and I always remember it going back when computerization really took off. It's the fear of it and when you overcome that fear there should be no fear you're up and running and just to say for that competition if you have a photo uh, where you're teaching an older person how to use technology loud ppn facebook page get the entry in by the 19th of this month loud ppn facebook you're a tonic (laughs) you too jerry (laughs) listen it's great to talk to you and you rounded off a lovely series here in the show for us uh, with gusto I have to say and again I'll give those numbers before you go for loud community call 1-800-805-817 and for the Royal County County Mead 1-800-808-809 Mary keep well keep safe and keep doing what you're doing brilliantly thank you for joining me on the show Thank you, Jerry, and thank you to the listeners. Not at all. Take care of yourself. She's a brilliant, brilliant lady, isn't she? She's so engaging. Yes, Mary Deary there, age-friendly coordinator, COVID contact person with Louth County Council. What was that app that Mary Kennedy launched? Uh, that lady just mentioned, Jerry. I'm sure it was the Getting Started Kit, Age Action. If you check out Age Action Ireland, you'll see it there, Getting Started Kit uh, with IT. Mary Kennedy launching that one there. Yes, I will mention it again. I am starting. 40 days and nights my own uh, personal uh, contribution to help Slav Vavro. He's a young lad. He was diagnosed with cancer at 13. He's now 16. He's been abroad several times and uh, I want to bring his his life and what he's been going through back into focus here on Late Lunch. And I've, a number of people ask me, what was the name uh, uh, you mentioned there for that young man? It's Slav, S-L-A-V. And if you go on to go fund me, uh, it's Oxygen for Slav or Oxygen Treatment for Slav on GoFundMe, S-L-A-V. You'll get uh, the details there and you can contribute. I will be contributing myself uh, at the end of the 40 days and nights. Yeah, I'm going to get the uh, old uh, walking shoes on. I do walk, but not regularly enough. So I want to pick it up again. Of course, I want to do that for myself. But I just, you know, I interviewed Slav and his man three years ago and... The journey goes on and I thought I want to do something productive for the holy season. 40 days, 40 nights. God, not going to touch the hooch as well. Not that I've been touching it much, to be honest with you, for, uh, since lockdown. But anyway, whatever I was taking, I will forgo for the next 40 days and nights. And I'll keep you posted on that one here on the show. And remember, reminding you again, country music, it's a big thing for a large part of our LMS FM listener base here. Uh, you can listen any time of the day. You'll find just great country. Denver, Cash, Carter, English, all the big names are there. And two other names, Mahan and McKenna. Yes, our presenters, they're there bringing you just great country every day. And you can tune in any stage on the LMFM app or on uh, logging on to lmfm.ie and you'll see uh, the information there. I was just thinking, 
I haven't had a haircut since December. Now, look, I don't have a lot to have cut, to be honest with you. And I put my guards on the table, but I'm a little bit. And it's untidy at the minute. It's a blanking mess. And I'd just love to have it tidied up and get the spring cut, you know what I mean? Like the old grass. How are you faring for haircuts, lads? What's happening out there? Oh, ladies, are you doing anything for the man in your life? I've never cut... How can you cut your own hair? I don't know how you... Unless you just shave it completely, I'm sure you could do that. I have the old... I don't want to do that. But I'd love to have my old hair trimmed. I know my daughter did it the last time, Sarah. She made a great job on the first lockdown last year. It was, I had been to, I think I'd been in February, March, April, May went by and she came up one day in the garden. She was nearly like tearing the hair out of the dog. You know, you know when you rake the hair out of messy, the Labrador, the black balls of hair would be everywhere at times. Yeah, well, there was a bit for mine as well. It was blown around the garden. That was in the outdoors. What am I going to do for a haircut? I need one. I really do need one. Jeez, I'll never make it to Easter. That's the beginning of April. Looks like it mightn't be Easter. It could be nearly summertime. <laughs> Any suggestions for me what to do with the uh, the old gruy got this time? What are you doing with yours, lads? Ladies, what's happening in the house? How are you faring out? Are you just letting them become Tom Hanks and cast away? <laughs> Did you know I heard that? Give you a little rumour here. Don't say this to anybody. Seamus Farley's grown a beard. Did he tell you? He knows he told you on the breakfast show. I'm sure you know anyway. Seamus has grown a beard. I wouldn't... I've never grown a beard. I've never had a tash in my life. Never in mind a beard. Anyway, I must give him a shout after the show to see how he's getting on. Let's have a chat with him and report back to you tomorrow. Anyway, that's our Seamus just giving him a mention on the show today. Did you see the story is in the news? It's something that's been in Old Chestnut here and come up regularly on Late Lunch. Dog poos. Yeah, that's back in the news. Sorry to tell you. There's talk of having the dog poos. So a database for dogs and then you could DNA uh, their poo. What about that one? Oh, that's a big ask, isn't it? It really would be. Anyway, we'll come back to that uh, at a future time on the show. Thank you indeed for your comments uh, to the show. Hi, Jerry. What clear and concise information, Mary Deary, and a brilliant interview that comes in from Lorraine Cunningham. Lovely to hear from you, Lorraine, who herself is involved with the Blaney Blades age-friendly group. We wish you well and all your people too, Lorraine. Oh, Mary, she's just the best. She really is. I mentioned it when she was on with me. People love listening to her and uh, the information she gave there was simply invaluable. I'm laughing. Kathleen Tude. Hello, Kathleen. <laughs> I love it. She says, send me a picture, Kathleen. Here, Jerry, fix up your hair like mine in plaits. Plaits? <laughs> Come on, Kathleen. <laughs> I'll be on a crooky stick by the time I develop plats on this head. Another one in there saying, Jerry, I use an electric trimmer, little and often. They're great. Just keep it tidy. I'll have to get it tidied up, the old Grug. I will indeed. Somebody else saying, Seamus, a beard. Get him to shave it for charity. I'll have a chat with Seamus after the show. I'm going to give him a buzz, I promise you. Now, moving on on the show this afternoon. At this time, every day, I tell you about my featured artist. And my featured artist this week is the wonderful John Denver. Finished off yesterday uh, with his first album. His second followed in 71. It was called Poems, Prayers and Promises. And it saw Take Me Home, Country Roads, Propel Denver to the very top of the charts. Rocky Mountain High was the next one. And it yielded 
four straight number one singles in the States, Sunshine on My Shoulders, Any Song, Thank God I'm a Country Boy and I'm Sorry, while three successive albums then reached top spot in the US album charts. Denver was everywhere, TV, radio, touring, performing to vast audiences who adored the man and his music, his live concert special. An evening with John Denver won an Emmy Award and in fact Denver himself hosted the Emmys on five occasions in the 70s and 80s. He was named Country Music Entertainer of the Year. He appeared in movies and his guest appearances on The Muppet Show, oh God, I'll never forget them, they remained legendary even today. Now today my song choice is one of those four in a row US number ones. It's the simply timeless Annie song. Ah, isn't it beautiful? After all these years, it still just gets you, doesn't it? Yes, John Denver, my featured artist of the week, and Annie's song was number one in July 74 in the States and the UK. It was a node to his then-wife at the time, Annie, and they were going through a tough enough time. He went skiing, listen to this, and after coming off the piste, he had just arrived home and wrote that in one sitting, that complete song. Isn't it just brilliant and... Uh, It'll be played in a hundred years' time, I promise you. It's so touching indeed. And uh, we continue the John Denver story on your late lunch tomorrow afternoon around about the same time and we'll hear another beautiful song from John. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. You do know I love my food and love foodies on Late Lunch. And this day every year, Shrove Tuesday, is one of the highlights of the year. I love me pancakes. I really do. I'll be home in a while, mix up the batter and away we go. And I've been dabbling with the savoury ones, as I was telling you last weekend and really enjoying them. But listen, I'm only in the halfpenny place compared to being next guest. He's a Falch Ireland food ambassador from Donegal. He's a blogger, an influencer, and I think he knows how to flip a pancake. Zach Gallagher, afternoon. Hello, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Now, here is the thing. I've been reading uh, what you've had to say about pancakes on this Shrove Tuesday, and you are really a basic pancake man. I am. Look, um, a lot of a lot of the food a lot of chefs make all over the country, it it, it ends up back in the kitchen with their mother uh, making simple things. And when, when you get a chef at home doing a bit of cooking, sometimes it tends to be just the simplest, tastiest things you can make. Uh, food gives you a memory. And I love I love cooking old dishes like that because it reminds me of when I was a wee boy learning to cook pancakes and things, you know, with my mum. Was it only... Uh a one day thing in your I'm just thinking back to my childhood as well and I'm smiling as you mentioned your mam there and I'm thinking of mine as well but in our home many moons ago it was this Tuesday but they never went at it any other day of the year was that the way with yourself? Oh no we we were reared on pancakes you were you? Say. Yeah because it was very handy it was one of the first things I learned to make and you know when you teach a kid how to make something they tend to make it often yeah, because they they like the the pleasure of making it themselves and then giving it to the rest of the family. But we we would have got them. My mum used to make a version of of ordinary pancakes, but she used Indian meal. We'd call it maize or cornmeal today. Yes, and we'd give them a wee extra crunch. She used to make Indian meal bread as well. And we were rare in that kind of. Oh stuff. my God! Yes, we're ahead of the posse for sure <laughs> in that household. Fair juice to the mammy. But look at your, your basic recipe. Just remind listeners again, and you know people are running out buying these mixes made up in packets. There's no need, Zach. Look, it's a great market employ for oddlums and the people that make flour to to mix up a bit of liquid in a, in a ready-to-pour jar. But look, it is, it's only flour and milk and eggs. 
at the end of the heel of the hunt. Will I give you my simple recipe? Please. I will. 300 grams of self-raising flour I use, a teaspoon of baking powder, a wee pinch of salt, a wee pinch of sugar, two eggs, 300 grams of milk, so it's 300 grams of flour and 300 ml of milk, and then I melt 25 grams, eh, a tablespoonful of butter, just melt it in the microwave. And will I give you the method? It's very simple. Please, please. Right. Flour into a bowl. I use a whisk. Instead of sieving the flour, I use the hand whisk, and I just break it up. It takes out any lumps. Throw in the baking powder. Give it another wee swirl. Add the salt and the sugar and the milk and the eggs. And beat it up to a smooth paste. It's really simple as that. It takes you two minutes to do it. And then let them stand for a wee while. It just helps. Helps get the gluten and the flour better so it'll rise better in the pan. And then I pour in the melted butter and give it another wee whisk before I go. And what the melted butter does is adds an extra wee layer of flavour and it helps to get a nice wee browning on the, on the pan. And so when you go to fry them in the pan, a, a good heavy pan on a medium heat and a, a slightest wee bit of oil. I would use a um, kitchen roll and put a wee bit of oil in the kitchen roll and rub that around the pan because you don't want the pan swimming in oil. And then just spoon in, you make your three or four pancakes in the pan, one scoop, and let it sit. Don't be shaking the pan. Men are terribly bad at that. You put anything in the pan, and the first thing you do is shake it, shakes and stuff. You want a wee bit of caramelization in the bottom, and that gives the color. And what, what happens is, you'll see, after about 30 seconds or 40 seconds, little bubbles starting to rise up around the edge of the pancake. So when they start rising up in the middle, that's time to turn it over. So you haven't touched it at all. You've let them sit there in a medium heat. And then just turn them over, finish them for another 30 or 40 seconds on the other side. And then oil the pan with another wee bit of, uh, of uh, kitchen roll and just keep going till all your mix is made. And you can keep them covered with a wee cloth, a wee warm cloth. And they'll be fine. Ready. And what do you like on them? Do you like any... I was talking earlier on in the show to a guest and he said he loves them just plain with nothing on them. Well, my favourite, is, especially at this time of year, is plenty of butter and rhubarb jam. Homemade rhubarb jam, if you can make it. Oh. I love that. Oh, there's so listen. many things you can put on them. Like, you've got a great uh, a cheese maker over there in Laos, Peter Thomas. Yes. Selling in blue cheese. Yeah. Well, Peter's originally from Donegal Town. Before he moved to... Right. Married Anita and moved over to, to yeah. Casabelli. We know him well. He's been a guest here on a number of occasions with me. Well, his blue cheese with a wee bit of red onion marmalade on pancakes is absolutely oh. delicious. And if, oh. you make, if you make the big ones on the pan, like a crepe, so yeah. one spoon and swirl it round so it fills the pan, when you turn it over, a wee bit of blue cheese, a wee bit of red onion marmalade, fold it over twice, and that'll make a lovely wee lunch for you, a wee, wee bit of salad on the side of it. Do you know, I have them ingredients at home. I have the blue cheese and uh, the marmalade in the cupboard you're talking about, so I will give it a go this evening. Do you like them thick or thin on the pan? I don't mind. Um, if I was having them with jam... And a cup of tea, I like them thick. Mm. If I was making like a crepe suzette yes. or something like that, they're thin. Okay. And even the crepe suzette, there's so many things. The crepe, a crepe's just a basically a thin, big pancake. Yeah. And you can mix, stack them and pile them up on top of each other. And you can fill them with ice cream or peanut butter or Nutella or whatever <laughs> you want. Blue- <laughs> the Americans love their blueberries on their pancakes, you know? Yes. And uh, we do a wee, a wee thing with blueberries here because we get them in super value and they're quite good value. And it's just the blueberries and you smash them up in a pan and put in two handfuls of sugar, bring it to the boil and let it cook down a wee bit. And it makes like a blueberry jammy stuff mm. with a bit of creme fraiche on top of that on your crepes. It's delicious. 
They are fantastic. And simple recipes as well. Hey, t- hey, tell me about this neighbour of yours. I love the sound of this. The duck eggs and the buttermilk. Well, the neighbour is actually my auntie Nora Boyle. And uh, when we were, my mum had a B&B in town in Donegal. And in the summertime, because there were seven of us, some of us would get farmed out to the, out to the country. It's only three miles out of town. Out to an auntie's house um, to leave some room for extra guests in the bed and breakfast, basically, in uh, July and August, when all the orders were coming down. And she used to make the pancakes with buttermilk and duck eggs. And do you know what? I still, I'm drooling at the mouth thinking of them now. There, there were, and she made all her own blackberry jams and blackcurrant jams and all this kind of stuff. But the buttermilk and the duck eggs, it gives them a next little, it just took them to another place. A wee tanginess of the buttermilk and the, the creaminess of the duck eggs, give, it just gives them, it seemed to give them a, a better rise as well. Yeah. And they were softer and fluffier. And you, you can make buttermilk handy from fresh milk, can't you? You can. A wee squeeze of, if you can't get your hands on buttermilk, a good squeeze of lemon juice, give it a stir, let it stand for a few minutes, and it'll semi-curdle. But it'll, it'll give you the same flavour, the, the, the wee tang from the lemon juice and the creaminess of the milk together will give you the same, same uh, texture and taste, more or less, as, a, as buttermilk. But you can get buttermilk in most shops now these days. You know... Today is Shrove Tuesday and traditionally, of course, uh, and it is uh, Ash Wednesday tomorrow and the Lenten season begins for mm-hmm. Christians. And this was a time, wasn't it, really, uh, you know, to indulge this day and then shut us down for the next 40 days or so. Absolutely. I don't know if you're... A lot of your listeners will probably remember Lent. Lent meant giving up sweets. Mm. And you might, uh, you might have dug out a big jar. To, you'd still buy sweets during Lent and you'd put them in the jar and you'd be looking at the jar piling up. And, and Pancake Tuesday was kind of, for us it was always, right now, eat up today because tomorrow you're fasting, you're not getting any more sweets or treats from now on. And sure, Peggy's legs and things in those days is what you put into the jar. Oh, now you're talking. We were allowed to break Lent, I don't know if it's a custom all over the place, on Paddy's Day. Yeah. We were allowed to break into the jar and you'd stuff yourself for a day and you'd be sick for three days afterwards. But... <laughs> <laughs> that was part of part of the whole growing up thing in those days. It was, and surely you know the abstinence. A lot of men, you know, gave up the booze for uh, Lent, which I'm doing myself from tomorrow. And then that break, they would actually uh, indulge in alcohol on uh, Patrick's Day and then resume again. Do you remember that? I do. And do you know it's very interesting. Over the last couple of years, I've noticed a lot of younger fellas have uh, taken the opportunity. Do you know, like they do it in November? Yep. And they take advantage of the the history of being off something for Lent, just to give their bodies a break from the going out for the beer, mm. you know. Yeah, I feel sorry for the young ones these days in the middle of lockdown, especially teenagers. This is the time you're supposed to be learning how to love people and get out and grow up. Part of growing up is very hard for them at the moment. It is. It's tough on everybody, Zach. And in, in your business as well, of course, hospitality and food. God Almighty, hasn't it been just the most ferocious of years? But, you know, uh, please God, with vaccines and moving through this year, we'll get going again and things w- will come back. And the sooner the better. You're right. People just need it. They really do. But have got to hang in there uh, for this time. Look at your fantastic. I really enjoyed chatting to you today. And you've given us so many options there for the pancakes. And they're just so simple and to be enjoyed. So, folks, Folks, get cracking. Zach's giving us great information there. Enjoy your Shrove Tuesday, Zach. Thank you for taking our call today. All right, Jerry. And if anybody wants the recipes, they can find them on irishfoodguide.ie. irishfoodguide.ie. All those recipes are there. Zach, thanks a million. We'll talk again. Thanks, Jerry. Goodbye. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's uh, the wonderful Zach.
Gallagher, chef, blogger, influencer when it comes to food. Irishfoodguide.ie for all your recipes there. That's our lot on Late Lunch for this uh, afternoon. Eddie's coming next with some wonderful music on the drive. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. On tomorrow's show... Martin O'Halloran's incredible weight loss on the first day of Lent. We hear his story. Father Paddy Rush is with us as well tomorrow. And Jim O'Leary brings us the story of Robinstown in on Ash Wednesday, 100 years ago. What a book he's written. All to come tomorrow on the show. Have a safe evening. Enjoy the pancakes. See you tomorrow. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.